I'm Christine Pittman, and this is Jump to Recipe, the show for busy people who love to cook. Let's jump in. Well, it is definitely December, and the holiday season is in full swing. I have to say, I was trying to come up with some kind of tip or idea to share with you today, and I just couldn't because I'm having a tough time. Yesterday, my son's phone broke, and we spent most of the evening trying different solutions we found online. Nothing worked. I got a really big water bill that I have to call and find out what's going on with that. And I don't know, it just feels like everything keeps happening every direction that I turn. Something is going wrong and I'm not getting to do the like holiday planning I need to do. I have no idea what I'm getting my kids for Christmas or what we're eating at any point. My parents are coming to visit. I haven't even really thought about anything to do with that trip. I'm so excited to see them, but like can't actually like plan it or think about it. It's just been like overwhelming lately. And so instead of sharing any kind of tip or strategy or idea, I just thought I'd say, you know, if you are having a rough time, this time of year can be hard, if you're a parent, if you're not a parent, if you're on your own, if you've got a lot of people around you, any of that can be stressful and hard. And it is not you. It is just part of this season. I know that I'm going to have those moments that are tingly and special and feel wonderful. They're going to be there. But I'm also going to have days like yesterday and today where, I don't know, did you hear this? There's an electrician making noise because our pool heater is broken and making this loud vibration sound in the house every minute and I'm worried the house is going to burn down, you know? So like, it's that kind of day. And so if in the weeks ahead, you are having that kind of day or that kind of week, uh, just know you're not the only one. And, you know, we're going to get through this. Uh, The holidays are coming. Christmas is coming. Hanukkah is coming. It is all coming no matter what. And there will be those moments of joy. And there's going to be those moments of difficulty. And I'm here for it. I'm here with you. Now, having said all of that, I do have some ideas for you, or rather, I'm talking with somebody today who has wonderful ideas for you, and that is Jessica Farmacola from SavoryExperiments.com. She's also the cookbook author behind Beef It Up, and so we are talking about ways to celebrate the holiday season with beef, and she has wonderful ideas both for the spectacular and for the everyday, and so that conversation is a a must listen. Jessica is so much fun and so intelligent and knowledgeable. And then at the end of the show, I have a meal plan for you that uses beef in a few different ways, interspersed with some other things. You can have it as your end of week celebration, midweek dinner, lots of great ideas in that meal plan. Okay, so let us take a deep breath, relax, know that we've got this, we're going to get through and let's talk to Jessica. Jessica, how's it going? Good, how are you? I'm good. It's so great to see you again, and I am so excited. Congratulations on your book. Thank you so much. It's been a wild ride. Yeah, so tell me how it started, and tell me all about it. The book is called Beef It Up, and it is 50 mouthwatering recipes of all different types of beef. The thing that makes it really unique is that all 50 recipes can be made in the kitchen. They're not smoking, they're not grilling, they're not tedious amounts of work and outdoors. And that really 
what interested me in this project when I was approached is that A, I'm a female and there have been approximately zero books written about beef specifically by a female and nearly all of them are grilling and smoking. I started thinking about it. I'm like, there are so many comfort classics and fun ways to utilize beef. I mean, there are over 150 cuts. It's the amount of things you can come up with is is crazy, big and large, but none of them, you know, they're all smoking and grilling. So I really wanted to take comfort classics and put a new spin on them so that they weren't just brown. So many of them are just brown. So we added a lot of color. We added a lot of vegetables. We used them in different ways, like in soups and salads in ways that people don't usually think of beef. They think of a steak Mm -hmm. or a burger and it kind of ends there or maybe some ground beef, but we really wanted to make it more exciting, give people more latitude and confidence to work with beef because there are so many cuts. So we, we do a lot of education about the ingredients and the product in the book. Oh, wow. That is fascinating. And I love that it's, I didn't realize that it was all just in the kitchen. That appeals to me so much. I'm not a big griller or smoker. I do most of my cooking in the kitchen. Really, I do. I even do like burgers and steaks are on the stove. Like I'm just not heading out to the grill very often. So what are some of your favorite recipes in the book? My all like hands down favorite recipe is beef pad thai. It is my favorite. So it it mixed lifestyle diets, I call them. Uh, It is gluten-free. It can be made vegetarian if you want to keep the beef out because I realize, you know, not everybody's going to eat beef, but it is full of vegetables and full of flavor. And the pad thai sauce is amazing and can be used with any kind of pad thai you want to make. And you make the sauce separate from the rest of the dish. So if you make the veggies and the noodles and the sauce, you can then do almost like a pad thai bar and have people add in their own proteins. Mm. But the the sauce is amazing. I make it very frequently with all different kinds of of proteins, but it's especially good with beef, which people don't necessarily think of or associate with pad thai. Usually think shrimp Mm -hmm. or tofu. I also really like our deconstructed cheeseburger soup. This one was one... I had had my, actually my jeweler, my jeweler is a good friend of ours. And we were at one of his holiday parties and they had like a slow cooker with this soup in it. And he's like, it's like deconstructed cheeseburger. And I was like, yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't sound good. And he's like, you got to try it. Everybody loves it. And I did. And I loved it too. So that was one of the ones that I wanted to bring light to in the book. And then also um, salad. I have a salad that I love. It's a roasted Brussels sprout and potato salad with a lemon vinaigrette. Again, salads don't have to be leafy greens, traditional lettuce. Mm -hmm. Use Brussels sprouts instead and serve it warm and roasted and really utilize that technique of browning in the oven to bring natural flavors up into light. I love those. Those sound amazing. So you mentioned that that pad thai sauce. I know that you are big on sauces and cooking. Can you talk about why? So one of the things that I like to do is I want people to feel like they're having fun in the kitchen. I love being in the kitchen. I feel like an artist in the kitchen. And so many people think of it as a chore. And this kind of pulls into my background. I used to be a psychotherapist before I was a a food writer. And I think of it as reframing having to cook to wanting to cook. 
And if people are comfortable and confident, then they will want to do it more. So it's breaking down that barrier. So we use on the blog, which is savoryexperiments.com, we have a philosophy called the 4S philosophy, and it has sauces, seasoning, spices, and swaps. So in every post, we don't write about our dog or husband or all the things that people don't want to hear about anymore. We actually write about useful information using these four pillars. Using these four pillars, you can make any recipe. I don't care if it's Kraft macaroni and cheese into something gourmet that could be restaurant worthy. So sauces is really a pillar in beef it up as well as in savory experiments. And funny side note, my contract only had me for 50 recipes for this book, but I had a list of 123. So in the end, I was able to sneak in 10 extra recipes by adding sauces and compound butters. Because again, they're just ways to so easily amp up any meal, beef or any other kind of protein or salad. And they're just, they're so easy to make. Like you don't have to spend $7.99 on a jar of something at the store. You can whip up something yourself. And after you get that confidence, you don't even need recipes to do it. I want you to customize it and make it your own. And that pad thai sauce is super versatile too. As long as you have some of the basics, you can customize it and make it your own. So give me an example. Like if you just had to make a sauce right now for like a simple steak, you have a steak, you want to make a sauce. What would you just like throw together on a whim? <laughs> I'm putting Probably on the a, no, 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 actually. Um, cause I did last night. You, it's really funny that you asked that question because we had New York shirts last night and I had used a spice blend that somebody had sent me. And after I tasted it, it felt a little too salty. So I very quickly on a whim made a creamy peppercorn sauce that cream diffused all of the saltiness out, Mm -hmm. like not all of it, but at least balanced it a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I used a heavy cream with crushed peppercorns. I didn't do cognac or brandy like typically in it because my kids were eating as well. And beef stock, a little bit of sugar to again, balance out the pepper and now the heavy cream. And what else did I put in it? I think that was, oh, a bay leaf. I put in a bay leaf and that came together in about 10 minutes. But again, it was so good that we didn't even use it just on the steak. We smothered our green beans in it. So our healthy (laughs) steamed green beans then got a large helping of cream sauce too. (laughs) I mean, if you make cream sauce, you have to put it on everything. I I love what you're saying about the cream too. My favorite, probably my favorite sauce recipe is one that my grandmother makes used to make, sorry, and uh, that my mom makes and that I make. And it's just sauteed mushrooms, garlic, salt, pepper, a little bit of onion. And then you just add the heavy cream to it and it simmers and it like, it's fresh and sweet to the beefy mushrooms. You know what I mean? And you don't have to do yeah. anything. It just sort of does it. And you don't need very much on your plate unless you're smothering everything in it. But cream cream and is a wonderful ingredient. Amazing. And that sounds great for like chicken and pork chops mm-hmm. and mashed potatoes. Like my, my head's already going. Like we could put apple slices in it, put it on nice bone in oh. pork chop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the thing about I mean, I talk I talk about this although I don't have pillars the way you do, but that thing about if you have a great sauce, you don't have to do very much else. You just have a chicken breast, like just a basic chicken breast, but you have this wonderful peppercorn sauce or wonderful mushroom sauce or wonderful pad thai sauce, whatever it is, suddenly your plain boring chicken breast has become exciting and delicious. Yeah, salt, pepper, and browning. And I think that, that that's one of the techniques we talk about in the book, but I also talk about on savory a lot is the technique of browning and how people underutilize and underestimate it so much. And it can be used on everything from dried spices 
to revamp some of their flavor. Dried dried ground spices start to lose their flavor and potency around uh, six months. Mm -hmm. So one of the techniques to revive them a little bit is to rub them between the palms of your hand to get some of those natural oils out or to toast them. Mm. But vegetables, meats, all of those things, like slow cooker recipes, when they say brown it before you throw it in, there's a reason. I know it's an extra step, but you're going to lose flavor if you don't, if you skip it. So browning, yeah, that was, we have an entire chapter on browning in my book. That's fun. Yeah, no, browning <laughs> is a thing. I'll tell you, this is, so my my family around me, for some reason, likes their steaks much more well-cooked than I do. Like, I know, you're making a great face. Okay. <laughs> but... I, ha- I I will say like now I do, I do a lot of like, we like a lot of skirt steak and flank steak. Actually, for this reason, you, you, I mean, you could talk about this. I could talk about this. Often they're like uneven in thickness. And so then I can have their one, like I do all at once on the grill, which I don't do very often mm-hmm. or in a big pan. And theirs are kind of more well done. And there's a thicker side of the other end that's a little bit rare. But what I've been finding is because I'm cooking for them, the browning that I get because they want theirs so much more well done, the outside of that steak is insane. It is so good. We call that a crust or a bark in the beef mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you don't need much. It's just salt and pepper and, and really high heat. People are scared to use that high heat. It needs to have good contact with the pan. And I swear by cast iron. Oh, I yeah. would, I mean, I use cast iron more than I use any of my very, very nice stainless steel um, saucepans and skillets. Cast iron, my $12 lodge cast iron is like my go-to workhorse. And especially for beef. And it, it just, it does, it's miracle worker. I have, I talk about this all the time on my other, on my other podcast, but I have this lodge cast iron pan that my parents got for me. It is 12 inches across the bottom, which maybe does, I don't know. Do you have this one? It is mm-hmm. like, I'm doing the gesture. It is like, I need two hands and a heft to, to get it out mm-hmm. of the oven. I use it like, at least three times a week. It is it is such an amazing thing. If I need, I either want to space things out in it or that big skirt steak will fit in there or doing more than one thing in there at the same time. But it's big. It holds the heat so well. It, it is my favorite pan. And it just stays on the stove because it's too darn clunky to store anywhere else. <laughs> I store it's it in funny. my second oven that I don't use very often. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. I have four ovens and I use all of them. My husband is like, you are the only person in the world that uses four ovens at the same time. Like, I don't understand how people don't do it. Like with two, two, how did I ever work with two ovens before this? Yeah, no, I I don't use my oven very much at all. Like I have two of them and I don't, I think air fryer, instant pot, stove top are sheet pan dinners. I use the oven, but then it's one, one oven. I'm just Mm -hmm. not, I'm not Mm -hmm. as much in the oven. So I want to know other great beef tips. So is the browning. What else are we all doing wrong? I don't want to say wrong, but could do better. <laughs> yeah. Let's there. say that. So I also love utilizing ground beef. I feel like in today's world, especially in today's world, we're all still watching our grocery bills and ground beef should not be discounted. It, it is it is discounted right now. It's cheaper <laughs> than chicken. So not to dish chicken, we all love chicken too, but it is, it's a great way to feed a large family on a budget and still get a whole protein. It's one single ingredient. It doesn't have to be high in fat. And even if it is higher in fat, which makes it cheaper, you can always drain it. But with ground beef too, so many people complain that it can be kind of grayish and chewy, rubbery, and it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, the ticket there is browning too. So I have a whole chapter, like in the browning chapter, we have a technique on browning beef. 
or ground beef specifically before it can go into almost any recipe. And we have a lot of ground beef recipes that are really solid and elevated a little bit, like a Salisbury steak. And I think of that and I think of cafeteria lunch food, but we've paired it with a caramelized onion gravy that uses mushrooms, Mm. has the option to add in peas and spinach and, and a bunch of other things that just makes it dreamy. And instead of using things like sour cream or cream, we use whole Greek yogurt. And it's, it's just their little swaps like that, that make these old comfort flavors that maybe we, we kind of turn our nose up nowadays, but brings them back, revives them a little bit. And they're nostalgic. Everybody loves Salisbury steak. Oh, for right? sure. And everybody in my house loves ground beef too. It, it's a, it's a, it's a always, I, I think I have, mm-hmm. I buy ground beef every week probably because I mean, I, your kids are a little younger than mine, but like, I know for sure they're going to eat it. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they just will. No one says no to ground beef taco. Taco night is no. on. If there's yeah. Ground beef. Yeah. Yeah. We also actually asking about things like, not that things are doing wrong. I think that beef too can be complicated because it's such, there's so many different cuts. There are over 150 different cuts. And then mm-hmm. out of those cuts, they all have different names. Like when you go to the store, chicken thighs are chicken thighs. You get them bone in, bone out, skinless, skin on. Like the, it's, you know, just very simple and straightforward and they call it what it is. Meanwhile, beef has all of these different cuts. And then depending on where you live, it could also be a different name. So for instance, you might go to the store and a chuck roast is called a tender roast, a tender chuck roast, a pot roast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it has eight different names that it can go under. So one of the things we included in the book is a handy dandy chart that tells you the cut of beef as well as the alternate names, where it comes from, but also the best way to cook it. Because not all pieces of beef need to be cooked the same way. Some of them need like low, slow moisture, like a brisket that you want to fall apart as soon as you put your fork into Mm -hmm. versus something that really just needs like a high heat, dry sear, like a New York strip in cast iron or on a grill. Mm -hmm. So we've Mm -hmm. broken it down in this awesome chart that you can, you know, put a sticky note on or earmark it, do whatever you got to do to come back and look at that and really demystify those cuts. But it's also great if you need a, a substitution, because a lot of times folks will want to find a cut of beef that looks similar to what they're picturing in their head, but it might come from a completely different place on the animal and have different fat content as well as different types of, of makeup. And that means that it won't cook the same as the recipe you're intending it for. And then you're going to hate the recipe and, you know, don't hate the recipe, hate the beef, man. Not hate yeah. the beef, but hate the cut, <laughs> right? You just didn't use the right. Every cut needs its own TLC. And if you don't cook it properly, you're not really going to be able to make it shine. So we wanted to take that guesswork out for people so that, again, they could kind of reclaim that confidence and feel comfortable working with it. I really love that. You're in your, you're, you're, you're making me think of, I got an email from a reader once. I had a recipe for Chuck Eye Steaks. And she had bought a chuck steak roast. Is that possibly what it was called? And maybe chuck roast and cooked it like the steak and was very upset. And it weighed way more. Obviously, it weighed different. She was super perplexed. It's a pot roast. It's probably like five pounds. It's a pot roast. Four or five pounds. Versus the steak. And she was misfired. And, that, and that's Chuck, the, the word is there and you think it's the same, but they are different things. I have a question for you. I hope sure. I'm not putting you on the spot. London broil. 
Is it a cut? Is it a technique? What is going on with this? It's both, right? So technically, London broil is a technique. It's high heats here, but it's become now the cut of beef. And it's not actually considered a steak, even though it looks like a big steak. So in the beef world, the lingo is that anything that's a steak is a single size serving. Although if you told my husband that, he'd probably tell you a London broil is a steak. But uh, (laughs) anything that's a roast means that it serves more than one person. So a London broil is used to be the technique. Now it is more indicative of the cut and it is considered a roast. And that is really good for marinating. It, it doesn't have a lot of fat in it. So it's something that really needs to be tenderized either manually with a meat mallet or with using some sort of acidic marinade. So that one's great with something that has like a soy sauce base or a lemon mm-hmm. lemon juice, something vinegary. It will really help break it down. You want to go about eight to 12 hours with something like that. It's a thick cut, mm-hmm. but that is perfect for super thin slices, make sure you go against the grain, as I'm sure you've talked about before, all proteins go against the grain, shortens the fibers, makes it feel not as chewy in your mouth. And for salads, it's great on salads. It's great as just, you know, thin slices, but it also serves a lot of people because it's not like a New York strip where you need one for each person. Mm -hmm. Now, instead the portion size, which is probably a way better portion size is like two to three little strips instead of this giant eight ounce filet. So then London broil used to be a technique of broiling this piece of meat, but now if you get something that says London broil, you probably wouldn't broil it, right? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can broil it. You can broil again, hot, hot, dry heat. So broiling would definitely be in that method. It's not my favorite method to do, but it, it for that that cut, that cut, I actually like, I do like on the grill a lot better just because it's so thick. So I get a a little bit longer of a cook time with still getting that same char, Mm -hmm. but you could definitely do it in the broiler in college. I did in college. I made London broil. Gosh, there's a, it's not in the, it's not in the book, but it is one of my favorite recipes on the blog and it's called honey steak. And it's one that my grandmother used to make. And it was just this perfect blend of onions, honey, and vinegar. So it was sweet, but a little bit tangy and, and use scallions. So it's a mild onion flavor, but I used to make it with a London broil because that's cheaper, at least back dating myself 25 years ago when I was in college, um, cheaper piece of meat. And, and I could do it in the broiler in my dorm room and have beef for the entire week. It was my roommates still talk about it actually, <laughs> but yeah, so, so it definitely can be done under the broiler. It was a very long answer to a very yeah, no, I, 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 I always, no, no, you, you are the beef expert. I, I think of London broil as a technique, but I've been noticing it at, listed on the packaging and I've just been like, I, I haven't bought it. I'm like, I don't know what to do with that. So thank you. I have one more question for you. Christmas is right around the corner. People should definitely be buying your book as a gift for all of their cooking friends. But what is your favorite beef dish to make for the holidays? I probably gravitate towards like prime rib and tenderloin like everybody else does. Um, in fact, on Thanksgiving, I'm sure you've got a lot of bloggers that are on your, that listen to your podcast. So I don't know about you guys, but I am turkeyed out by the time Thanksgiving and Christmas actually come around. Like I've been looking at it, talking about it, discussing it for months now, and I want nothing to do with it. So we actually, we make a tenderloin on, on Thanksgiving and usually prime rib and seafood on Christmas, but I still incorporate beef in. So I do it a lot in appetizers. And again, people don't think about beef as an appetizer. So we'll do many beef Wellingtons. Mm. And these are super, super easy. You use puff pastry and a muffin tin, cream cheese for a little bit of, of 
like savoriness to them. And then you do a mushroom and onion sauce with chopped up pieces of New York strip. And it's so easy to put together. My daughter, who's five, helps me do it. It's one of her her favorite recipes to, to make with me. But there's also a lot of dips that you can make. We do uh, like a queso fundido with ground beef. That's great for also watching, you know, football, Thanksgiving, watching football before the big meal, (laughs) things along those lines, but also with salads. So I offer a couple of different proteins on the holidays and, and yeah, beef is usually there. Our family eats a lot of beef. Yeah, I bet. Well, (laughs) this has been really fun, Jessica. Can you let people know where they can find you online if they want to ask any questions or see what you're doing? It's always exciting to follow your feeds. Thank you. And I'm always here. It's actually me behind the computer. Um, You can find me at savoryexperiments.com and at savoryexperiments on all the socials. I am at jessica at savoryexperiments.com for email and beef it up can be found wherever books are sold. It's on Amazon. It's Barnes and Noble. You can find it in stores. It is all over the place and it is a really fun and great book for anybody who loves cooking. That is so great. Thank you so much, Jessica. Thank you. I am obsessed with those mini beef wellingtons. I cannot wait to try that. Now, if you want to find Jessica, you can go to savorexperiments.com and her book, Beef It Up. You can head to Amazon to get that, or you can look in my show notes. I have a link to it there for you. What a perfect gift idea for that meat lover in your life. Now, let's turn to the meal plan portion of the show. In each episode, I share a five-day meal plan at the end of the show. The recipes are chosen to give you a lot of variety, but also to use some of the same ingredients to keep your grocery list short. You can get all of the meal plans at cookthestory.com slash meal plans. And this is meal plan number 114. When you head over there, cookthestory.com slash meal plan and click on meal plan number 114, you will see all the links to the recipes that I talk about and information about how to make them work together. Like if you need to make twice as much rice one day to use it another day, it will give you all those instructions. And there's also a link to a grocery worksheet. This is a form fillable PDF. You can do it online on your phone or you can print it out. If you're doing it online, the recipe names are all there and they are linked. So you can go like back and forth from the grocery worksheet to make your grocery list and it's very, very convenient. Now, today's meal plan does feature a few beef recipes in honor of my conversation with Jessica. I will just tell you that the London broil that's on here, yes, I have a London broil recipe on here. It is actually brand new to Cook the Story. It's brand new to the website and it actually isn't even live on the day that this podcast goes live. That recipe is going live on December 5th. So if you're listening to this before that, the only day you could be listening to this before that is December 4th, then you just got to wait one day. And then the London broil recipe will be there for you. All of the other recipes are on my website and you can get them at cookthestory.com slash meal plans number 114. Okay, let's jump in. We are starting off the week with a meatless Monday, a nice way to start the week. And it's actually one of those things that I think makes it easier to choose what to have on Monday if you know you're going to do a meatless thing or if every Monday you do a soup. It just makes your meal plan easier to have a strategy. So meatless Monday is one of my strategies and we're doing 
Indian spiced sloppy joes. These have lentils and cauliflower in them, and you're serving them on a nice bun. Really, really flavorful, vegetables, protein, everything is in there for you. Okay, then on day two of this meal plan, we're doing Korean beef and rice bowls. You make this like marinade sauce with some gochujang and some other amazing flavors, and you reserve some of it to use as kind of like a dipping or drizzling sauce later, and you marinate the beef in the rest of it. And so it's got the beef strips and the rice, and there's some broccoli and mushrooms. Really, really tasty meal. Really fun too. On day three of this meal plan, we're doing some turkey burgers, and you're going to have those with some raw broccoli and cauliflower and some ranch dip to dip them in. But if you wanted to do beef burgers, you can do that. And I will link to beef burgers as well as to my ultimate turkey burger recipe. On day four of this meal plan, we're doing a beef noodle skillet. This is one of those recipes that just blows my mind. Everything kind of cooks on the stove together, like kind of in stages. But you're cooking the beef and you're adding the noodles and the sauce and then it all cooks in there. And then there's cheese and there's broccoli, really full of flavor and really, really easy and only one pan dirtied in the end. Such a great thing to do in the middle of the week. To add a little vegetable to that meal, you're going to put some raw baby spinach leaves on the plate before serving and then you spoon the beef noodle skillet on top of the spinach. kind of wilts it just a little bit and you've got like instant little side dish under there, you know? And that brings us to day five and that is when we're doing that London broil. Now, given that whole question, is London broil a cut or is it a method? We decided on my site that the best thing to do was to help solve people's problems. If you go to the grocery store and you buy a cut of meat that says London broil on it, what is the best way to cook that? And so we are not actually broiling this. We are searing it in a pan and then finishing it in the oven. And it turns out so amazing. You're going to love this recipe for cooking a cut that is often labeled London broil at the grocery store. And you're going to have that with some air fryer green beans and an instant pot loaded potato casserole. This is a wonderful treat for a Friday night, but it's also a great thing to try on this Friday. And then if you love it, it's something that you could serve during the holiday season to guests and it doesn't use your oven or your stove. It's happening in the Instant Pot. So super convenient when your kitchen is going crazy. So this is just a great recipe to try this Friday. Okay, that is our meal plan for the week. And that is our show for the week. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you are getting through and that your December has been easier than mine so far. We are all going to be okay. It is going to be a great month. Thank you so much to Jessica for being an amazing guest. Don't forget to check her out, Savory Experiments, and that book, Beef It Up. Look in the show notes for the link. And as always, thank you to Audio Snack for all the great music. Have a wonderful week. You make me want